0: Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. To,
1: to, Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-A-R? To, Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers And speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always
0: work. Okay, what if I just did something like, go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. Blake, what's the most dangerous job in tech?
1: Well, apparently when you're testing a power amp, you can accidentally kill yourself.
0: Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull
1: the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who will never uh, test a power amp here at Church Gear because it could kill you, apparently. And I'm here with my co-host, who eats electricity for breakfast, Toby Walters. Can you eat electricity? Now I'm curious. Uh, you know you can. I I think you can, you know? I bet. I mean, there's probably residual electricity in our food, like just energy, basically. I think the cats and dogs of America would attest that if you chew on the wires at your house long enough, you start to taste electricity when it shocks you.
0: Mm. And I just want to uh, say that I've tested hundreds of power amps before like church gear really became a thing and we had real techs here and I never blew one up. But now it's been like two or three times as our techs here at Church Gear have, which is why we test everything first. They've tested it and it just starts smoking. Church Gear, we blow up so you don't have to. My uh, brother's college roommate had this brilliant idea. Sounds like something you would try. Of I wonder what would happen if I plug a speaker into a just electrical socket. Okay. Yeah, the speaker caught fire. Imagine that.
1: That sounds not good.
0: <laughs> so. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our listening audience is thinking now currently, like, what is the most dangerous job in tech? Like, I'm I'm assuming they're thinking like a rigger or something, maybe like a truck driver. I don't know. But uh, in my experience, it's the studio engineer has the most dangerous job on the planet.
1: Why? Because the talent might kill
0: them if they get it wrong? Well, that is part of it. So uh, I've, I've heard some stories from, from some friends that were there. So these are... That's a secondhand story, right? It's yep. not third hand.
1: I think they call that BS. I mean
0: yes. Bulletproof story. So the first story, it's not dangerous, but it's just fun. So a friend of mine worked at a studio in uh, Los Angeles in the 90s, and this was when Shaq, I don't know if you know that Shaq was a rapper for a while and did a couple Why rap is albums.
1: It, truly, if you Google any famous person, fitty fitty shot, they're gonna be a raft a rapper. <laughs> like there's a fitty cent chance that they're gonna be a rapper.
0: There's a 50 cent chance that they are 50 cent.
1: Yep. Is that it? Well that they're, they're rapping.
0: So he said Shaq would come into the studio and they would, you know, record all day and all night, but he would bring an entourage and he would bring like twenty or thirty people. And he said by the end of the night, basically every night the studio was trashed. They would just party, they would have food, they'd have drinks, and it would just be an absolute mess. And at the end of the night, which was probably, honestly, like 6 in the morning, Shaq would go to the studio manager and just say, all right, what do I owe you? And he would just write him a check for the damages, and it would usually be about $20,000. Every night? That's, That's what my friend said, and he was working at the studio at the time.
1: Oh my gosh! What are they doing? Like rolling their blunts with like the skin of of the drums. Like I mean, just if destroying. You, you everything? know, you spill
0: drinks on the mixer. You put food on the tape machine. Like they've got to bring in repair techs to service these things constantly.
1: I mean, at church gear, we only spend about a thousand dollars on nightly damages when we go to an event. Only you, Blake. Well, we didn't. Didn't we kind of get blamed for spilling all of that stuff at the MXU live event on one the, of their just, trucks?
0: oh, somebody spilled something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, our guys claim it was not us. I Allegedly, mean, Drew Hester did spit in Adam Taylor's face, but that was a separate instance. Which that is damaging definitely more than $20,000 worth of goods. So another instance, again, I heard this secondhand. This was a studio in San Diego. And I assume you know this, Blake, but like recording studios, especially back before, like pre 20 years ago could have hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars of gear and equipment in there. And some still do. And so like, there is a lot of money essentially in that equipment. So one night a band is recording with um, the engineers at the studio and armed masked men came in and tied them up and held them at gunpoint, except for one of them who had to unscrew the rack equipment from the rack and load it into their truck. That's called gun gear. That was wild. And uh, the final moment was uh, do you remember that I started a recording studio like with my dad and a couple other people at the church I grew up at? Oh, yeah, Playboy Inc. <laughs> we have gotten gear from them. So we started a recording studio in the basement of the church. And it, I mean, it was very rudimentary compared to from studios you? that. No way. That had, you know, millions of dollars of gear. We had hundreds of dollars of gear. But it was still, it looked cool to the untrained eye. You would go in there and be like, ooh. this is fancy. Yes, you would ooh and ah. And so it was in the basement of the church. And one day I came um, on a morning to go down to the studio and I walked in. There's like a long hallway that leads to the the staircase that goes down to the basement. And so I um, I get to the front door of the church and I open the front door. And I look all the way down to the hallway to the top of the stairs and like, there's a bunch of stuff at the top of the stairs and there's, there's not normally stuff at the top of the stairs. Like, I didn't know if somebody left a bunch of like cleaning supplies or something. So as I get closer, the stuff starts to look familiar. It this was is when your
1: wife kicked you out. No, all
0: your this, I, was, church. I was, I n- was not married at the time. This was pre Shelly days. Ooh, dark. Times. I know I was young. But it was all the equipment from the recording studio in the basement was sitting at the top of the stairs. What, did like a new pastor move in and they like let him live in the basement or something? No, we think that somebody came in and started like loading it out in order to steal it. And then somebody came and like they heard them or saw them at the front door trying to come in and they just, they booked it. But all the equipment from the studio sitting at the top of the stairs and nobody knows why. That was absolutely the explanation. Somebody was trying to steal it.
1: Criminals, it just goes to show, uh, don't do a half measure. Don't take it up to one spot. Pick it up once. Take it right from the
0: studio to the car. So my theory is that uh, all these church techs are getting these positions in you know, a Sunday morning environment because it's just safer.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, definitely. You don't have people trying to steal or rob you from the tech booth. Only people taking gear out of there is us, and we pay people fifty percent of the time,
0: and occasionally Chris Tomlin. Apparently,
1: <laughs> yeah, you got you got to kick him out. Well, speaking of someone I would definitely never kick out, the mix engineer, a freelance mix engineer out of Atlanta, David Stagel. David, welcome to the show. And did I say your last name correctly?
2: You did, and thank you very much for having me. You know, I don't, I don't. The, the studio position is the most dangerous position for you. I think you're doing something wrong. I mean, I remember. <laughs> do in front of house at North Point, sometimes we would do these uh, crazy specials and openers. And I seem to remember one where uh, they thought it was a good idea to pass out like little footballs to everybody in the room. And those were getting thrown all over the room during the opener. So um, I remember I had people in front of front of house, like swatting them away to keep from hitting the gear. So they were throwing them at y'all at front of house. Not the snatch. no, they were just throwing. No, it was just, they were going all over the place. There was another time with beach balls. And I remember those were not as, as dangerous, but the, the small footballs, that was, uh, that yeah. was, that was a one time. That was a one time only thing after and, that. And I think the issue is
0: like all the live engineers and live production people that we had on this podcast have gotten their opportunities for their disaster stories You know, we've had line arrays falling on people's face. We've had uh, (laughs) people uh, suspended from the ceiling that like fell 50 feet, almost Had their gear literally melt. Yeah. So I felt like, you know, studio engineers never get the opportunity for disaster stories, but they happen. I I got a little disaster story of my own. Lighting
1: guys uh, and girls, uh, cover your ears. But speaking of the beach balls, David, uh, we were doing that at youth ministry. I got to tell you guys. If you want to see the proof that God is real, go to youth ministry and see that kids don't die every week. It's crazy the games <laughs> that they play at Fellowship Bible Church, Brentwood. Mm-hmm. We're hitting these beach balls up in the air, and they've got this cool lighting thing over, ne- over top of us. There's two on each side, and it just smashes into it and busts like light bulbs. Light bulbs break. glass starts falling on the children. <laughs>
0: It was It'll was. be fine, right? No one got hurt. Um, yeah, Blake, I was a youth pastor for three years, pre-Shelley again. Is that where It'll Be Fine came from? It had to because there was all sorts of those moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, did that kid just break his un- No, he's okay. Okay, get up, shake it off, walk it off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, You know what? I got a concussion at a youth camp, but that's a story for another time. I
0: mean, mini- ministry is a dangerous <laughs> occupation. You know, speaking of danger, This is true.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into David's lie and see, you know, I got to tell you, Toby, I'm on a hot streak. I am. How many of you had in a row? Like two? Out of the past eight weeks. Now, this is going to be weird because of the way we record, but out of the past eight weeks, I'm six of eight. I think what's weird is that you're keeping track. I got to count, count my wins. The,
0: yeah. Do you have so few wins that you have to count this one? I have less wins than I do fingers. I mean, you're, but look at your wife, dude. You That's won. That's true.
1: Okay. That's true. Yeah. All Number right. one. I train train wrecked an Andy Stanley sermon while serving as the audio director for North Point Community
2: Church for nine years.
1: Did he train wreck the sermon for nine (laughs) years? That's what I was going to (laughs) say. I hope that's true somehow.
2: Yeah. I don't don't think I would have made it nine years if I (laughs) did it for the whole nine years.
0: I mean, we've heard nothing but wonderful things about Andy as a human being. So maybe he's just that gracious. Look, if you're nice. He, He
2: is pretty gracious.
1: In business, you can be incompetent and mean and get fired, but if you're incompetent and nice, you can make it a long time.
0: That's why you're still here, Blake. <laughs> I would don't know that Wait. anyone
1: would accuse me of being nice. No. <laughs> you're fired. Number That's two. It. Oh, there it is. I've trained hundreds of audio volunteers and staff across the country at churches of all sizes, ranging from some of the largest and most influential to the average church up the street. What about the church down the street? It's always up the street. Oh, gosh. Number okay. three. I've worked on music recordings... Television broadcasts, concerts, theater, and musicals, but I've but never on a feature film
0: until this podcast.
1: Exactly, David. That's because you can't work on the film; you need to be in the film. That's a face for, for the big <laughs> I, Yeah, I don't,
0: I don't know about that. That's a face for <laughs> SNL. There we go.
1: What is what does that mean? Saturday Night Live. It's a face.
0: It's a face for radio, is it's, what it is. It just so. makes me smile, you know. Mm.
1: Number four, I regularly serve on the audio crew for the annual Passion Conference here in Atlanta. That's got to be true because
0: he lives in Atlanta. I don't, the unfortunate part is I don't know, but we could have asked like half of our guests at this point who have worked <laughs> on the passion conference.
1: Number five, I'm a member of the Waves Plugins artist roster and have plugin presets featured in plugins such as
0: H Reverb, H Compressor, and CLA Mix Hub. All right. That's like that's pretty cool in the audio engineering world, just so you know, because I know you have no idea what any of that meant. I do
1: know that when it comes to plugins, people love them or hate them. Uh, six and finally, over the last year, I've begun working in the Dolby Atmos format in my studio.
0: Ooh, Dolby. It's like we're at AMC. Okay, Blake, you have a feeling? One of these I already know because David and I are best friends on Facebook, like you know, it's true or you know the lie. Because if you know the lie, that's a pretty big one. <laughs> well, I know one of these
1: is not the lie. Okay, that's
2: tough. Hmm. That's, that's that's a good that's a good guess that one mm-hmm. of them isn't. What do you got, Blake?
1: All right, I am gonna say
0: the three, number
1: three. Two, one number three.
2: Yeah, he's. Dang he's worked it! I was gonna guess film. that one. Hey, last
1: now time I said that, I got it right. I stole it.
0: from uh, I've got to start guessing first. Okay, I'm gonna guess that. Um, he does not work on the audio crew for the passion conference. Cause it just seems so obvious, it you know, it's in obvious. Atlanta. I'm sure he knows the whole crew, but I'm just gonna say he doesn't.
1: All right, David, we're locked in. What's your lie?
2: Uh, I have not served at passion on their audio crew.
0: I am the champion,
2: my friend, but I do know most of those guys. So
0: Blake, do you want to bow to my intelligence and overwhelming awesomeness right now? Do we curse on this podcast? <laughs> Is it still categorized as a Christian podcast? Actually, I
1: don't think that was an option for us. It wasn't? I think we're just music stuff. All right. So you can say Jesus and crap on the same podcast. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, goodness. All right. So you love your plugins, huh? Big plugin guy?
2: I don't know if love is the right word, but uh, I do use them.
0: Okay. So are you basically as famous as CLA at this
2: point? Uh, Yeah, I don't think that's... uh, (laughs) I did have I there was uh, I used to write articles for Waves and I remember there was a there was a a maybe it was only a couple of hours but I remember there was a picture of Chris and then there was my picture right next to him on the website somehow um and that's that's probably as close as I ever got to that
0: So, so. Blake philosophical question for you CLA or TLA TLA for sure Okay <laughs> I mean so there are two brothers Chris Lord is it algae or alg? It's algae. Okay. So there's Chris Lord Algae and there's Tom Lord Algae. Mm-hmm. And they're both mix engineers and they're both like two of the greatest mixing engineers on the planet. So, like, half the major hits that you love have been mixed by one of them, like Fallout Boy, I guarantee oh you. Oh my gosh, one of the best bands of all time. Yeah. So to have uh, David have his face next to Chris Lord Algae is like you putting your face next to your face. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you after the <laughs> show good. why they should not have why they couldn't have put it as TLA. I mean that's okay. you probably already know, but um okay, should we ask you about your train wrecking of Andy Stanley now or should we save that for the disaster story at the end?
2: uh you can save it for the disaster story at the end i've got another Ooh. disaster story too if you want to hear oh, that later well too so it's up to it. let's do it now and then you can give us your sure, you that was sure going to be a cliffhanger
0: the whole episode people are now just going to hear the story and be like i'm out
2: it's hey yeah they can tune it and then you can we'll just cut to the chase and then they mm-hmm. can uh, skip to the next episode i guess
1: look church gear faithfuls after 60 seconds it counts as a number on my <laughs> on my card at work that i get credit for so if you ever hate an episode just make it through a minute yeah give us your give us your disaster. Story with Ailey Stanley here if you've got another one later because I love these.
2: Sure. Okay. So this is uh it was a little it's a little technical requires a probably a lot more setup than it, it needs. Um we went through a season at North Point where uh, we were doing three services every morning and the 9 a.m had you know really good attendance the 11 a.m had outstanding attendance and People were standing around the walls uh, most <laughs> of the time. And then the 1245, the third service, not really a lot of people showing up at 1245 in the middle of lunchtime. You got football so, going on too. Uh, yeah, there's that. People People want to get up to the lake, I guess, on Sunday afternoons. So in an attempt to kind of open up more seats at the 11 a.m., because that was a big that was a big thing for us when I was on staff at North Point was we were trying to trying to create open seats so that people could come and check things out, learn about Jesus, all that kind of fun stuff. And in an attempt to kind of spread the attendance out, Andy stopped speaking at the 11 a.m. So he would speak at the 9 a.m. At the 11 a.m., we would show him on video. And then at the 12.45, he would speak live again. Um, But he would do the welcome, he would do the welcome live at 11 a.m. And then he'd be video for the message and then back live at 1245. So in an attempt to kind of keep things simple for our volunteers, I had set things up so that when it got to message time at the 11 a.m., it would repatch the console so that the, the input into his channel on the console was basically the video for his message. So volunteers, they could mix, you know, they could mix three services without having to think about doing something different at each service. It was all built into the snapshot lists. It would happen automatically. Uh, the one caveat was you had to move that snapshot that repatched things. You had to manually place that before the service and you had to remove it for the next service. So one day we got to the 1245 service and I was at front of house and he did the welcome and everything seemed to be fine. And then we got to his message and he started talking and he paused and he said, do you hear that? And I thought, whoa, sounds normal and i turned to look over at the producer and she gave me a funny look like what's going on it sounds fine he said no do you do you hear that something's something's off and then he said he said tina who was the producer tina come up here and and listen to this and i started getting a little nervous and i turned to my a2 and i said go go backstage and see what's going on because we had a wedge backstage that sometimes would get used so that people who were backstage, they could listen to the message. And I thought, Oh, maybe somebody left it on. And Andy has, he has pretty good hearing. Um, I think he's, he was uh, involved in audio production at one point in time. So I thought, Hey, maybe something's back there. And just about the time that he got back and hit the com, it dawned on me. Oh, we're listening to the tape return. So we're listening to them coming back on video. And we had a delay built into that return because the video system was, I was about three frames behind. So to get the lip sync in, we had some executive producers who were very sensitive to lip sync in the auditorium. So it used to do some delay on that. And when I figured it out, I, I repatched it and got it all set and got the delay off. And he was like, Oh, now it's okay. And he went right on, but that was a good, you know, three, four minutes that went past without anything happening. Um,
1: oh, it was just quiet on the stage for three to four minutes. No,
2: he was talking. He was, he was trying to, he, he would just, uh, I think he would just say things and cause he was hearing, he was hearing a hundred millisecond delay approximately and just the slap. And he was, sitting there talking and like echoing to himself.
0: I was hoping it was like the uh, Jessica Simpson moment on Saturday night live where he starts his sermon and it's like actually a bad lip sync read to his live stream. So he he had to run off or something. That'd be
2: great. Oh, that no, he, he kept right on going. So, and then probably, but he didn't start, he didn't start the sermon until we got it all fixed. And then he went right in. So, did you? Ever, but he was very, very gracious about it after the after the service. So,
0: did you ever offer to him that in order to lighten the load at the eleven a.m. service, that you would not mix that service, since obviously so many people were coming to hear your mix?
2: No, I hadn't. I hadn't thought about that. But I <laughs> suppose uh, maybe we could have done that. Maybe we could have uh, turned the lights off or
1: look everybody tried some knows different things. That the the TD is the most important staff member on a Sunday morning.
0: Well, he's not the TD necessarily. He's the mix engineer, Toby. That means the same thing
1: to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, David, we kind of know North Point, and obviously Andy Stanley, and it's been a, you know sort of a generation of an extremely influential church. But it's kind of like in the tech world, North Point was so well known for pioneering live stream um, or kind of the the multi-site uh, sending the signal in different campuses. But tell us about. Uh, you know, the, the audio production there, what were you guys doing? That was different or unique, or maybe you're like, no, I had the boring job while they got to do all the cool stuff.
2: Um, I don't know. And I, I think, um, I don't think even any of the video guys there would have like, none of us really thought about anything we were doing as pioneering. I think we were, we were all just trying to solve the challenges that we were being presented with the best we could. Um, I don't know. I think maybe you know, if we were pioneering about something, um, you know, in the early years, maybe it was just caring about things sounding good, because sometimes it, it seemed like that was a rare thing. I think, you know, we were maybe one of the earlier churches to start turning the volume up a little bit, although I know we weren't alone in doing that. I think um, I think the guys down at Fellowship down in Grapevine, they were they were pushing things, too. But that kind of you know, for me when when I discovered North Point, I know it resonated with me because musically it felt like, hey, this is this is a lot closer to where I came from in terms of kind of rock and roll and being able to push the guitars and low end um, maybe maybe that was something we were doing that not a lot of people were pushing at the time. And we had a, a lot of subwoofers in there that seemed to be a little unusual for churches at the time. But uh, did you feel like I don't know, point
0: I... was kind of one of the, you know, along with fellowship and uh, like uh, Willow Creek and Saddleback that were kind of on the cutting edge, you know, 20 mm-hmm. years ago that you guys were, you know, investing into a live environment where a lot of other churches were still fighting over
2: hymns versus praise songs. Yeah, that's possible. I think I, you know, we didn't, we weren't, we weren't really concerned about what other churches were doing. I mean, I think we, you know, at least I, I liked looking to see what other churches were doing. And, you know, we were looking for ideas and new things to try. But, you know, we definitely, definitely had our, our way of doing things. And, You know, just kind of kind of tried to do that because, you know, one of the the things that was different, I think, for for us was, you know, North Point was originally designed to be a church for the unchurched. So that's who we were trying to reach. We weren't really thinking about what the church down the street or up the street (laughs) was doing. Um, We were thinking more in terms of, you know, what are what are the other things out there that are competing for people's attention? you know concerts, going to football games, you know, going to the beach or the lake or movie theaters. Like those were the kinds of things we were thinking about. So a lot of the production we were doing was kind of based more off of that because we wanted to have an environment where people could bring their friends or people could just show up and it not feel unfamiliar to them, not This like, oh, we're in some weird place this weekend. It's just, it's like, no, this is just, it's a room full of people and we're going to make some noise.
0: And Blake, I don't know about you, but I'm a huge fan of like, I like it loud at church. Obviously it's got to be mixed well, but like, I want it. I want to feel it. I don't want to hear my own voice when I sing. I don't want to hear my wife's voice. (laughs) Don't tell her. <laughs> so, David, you're there for nine years, and you, uh, yeah. Apparently, one of your truths is that you uh, trained, you know, other audio volunteers or tech volunteers across the country. So you've got, you know, someone like yourself that's mixing at North Point, and then you've got someone like Blake that knows absolutely nothing about He's tech. mixing at South Dole. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what were some of the things that you? Uh, what were like some of the key things that you would typically teach these volunteers? And would you often find that you were surprised they didn't know?
2: Well, I mean, it depends on it. At North Point, we had it set up where it was really kind of an apprentice system. So it was really designed to meet people where they were at when they came in. So that was all kind of one-on-one. After I left North Point, I did a lot of training on the road and traveling. Um, it, It varies. I mean, sometimes it's just it's simple stuff a lot of the time. And a lot of time, it's just people just really need some coaching and encouragement in what they're doing, kind of a, a reset on things. A uh, lot of churches, they're, you know, they're audio volunteers, even some of the staff, they haven't had professional experience. They haven't had professional mentors. So a lot of times, we are just kind of filling in the gaps. Um, I don't know that there's anything specific. I guess a lot of times, you know, I just kind of focus on just starting with a basic kind of musical sounding balance. Uh, A lot of times, a lot of times the churches that were bringing me in, it would end up being the worship pastors who were really fighting to have me come in because they wanted it to sound like music and it didn't (laughs) at the time. Um, But, you know, everybody, like, most of the volunteers, the staff, everybody I meet, everybody has the best intentions. They're just trying to get better and just trying to kind of trying to move people in the right direction and take them to the the next level for where they're at.
0: And uh, it seems now you're doing a lot of studio stuff. it seems you're mixing in Dolby Atmos. Do you have uh, you know a preference? is is does your heart belong to live or studio, or does it depend on the day?
2: yeah uh, some of it's some of it depends on the day i think it goes in phases um when i started out my career well you know i did sound in high school and that was mostly kind of live theater and stuff like that um college and after college was more the studio side of things and then i eventually found myself in church world doing the live stuff um i i enjoy it all they all have have their challenges. I think I like working in my studio because it's in my house and I don't have to deal with Atlanta traffic to <laughs> get traffic anywhere. It's like
1: his, it is like the eighth wonder
2: of the world. <laughs> it's I, yeah, it's something else. I think, uh, I think San Francisco is worse and DC is worse and Houston and LA. Um, LA is LA is its own thing. And, uh, You know, but it it is, uh, I, you know, I moved down here from Chicago and I remember people talking to me about the traffic and I was like, come on, I'm from Chicago. How, how bad can it really get? I mean, we got bad traffic up there too, but, uh, it's, it can be something else down here for sure. Um, but I, you know, I still do a lot of live stuff and I like being able to mix it up, you know, and it's, it's fun.
0: And I I know for myself that I started in live, but then I just fell in love with studio. I I think I just, I enjoyed the opportunity to continually refine it. You know, live, you get one shot. Like you were asking us, David, at the beginning of this, do you guys edit this thing? And rarely, Blake, do we edit much out except for- Just Toby's
1: cursing and my flatulence.
0: (laughs) I think it's actually the other way around. My, My flatulence and your cursing. But yeah, I know for myself- you know, it, it was the studio that I really loved. Um, I, I felt like I just couldn't quite keep up in live. Or the studio, as you don't <laughs> presently work there. <laughs> We're in uh, a studio recording this, Blake. Well, that's
1: true. Um, you know, but speaking of studio, you know, most mixers are only doing one originally, live mixing or studio mixing. Uh, so now that churches are live streaming everything, both are needed. So what tips would you give someone who's trying to improve their their skills in both settings now that they're kind of having to do, do both? Besides not having their wedge mess them up.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's important. Um, You know, I think mixing, whether you're mixing live or in the studio, I mean, there's there's a lot of fundamentals that are just a part of mixing that really cross over between the two of them. Um, You know, it's different challenges for sure, but I think first and foremost you have to put time into it. You know, if if you're mixing live and the only time you're ever working on your craft is when there's a band on stage, it's going to take you a long time to get better, especially in in a church setting where, you know, Sunday's only coming once a week, maybe you get a midweek rehearsal in there. That's not a lot of time to do it. And mixing music it's not really a technical thing it's a musical discipline it's more of a craft so it takes time and repetition to master so you know the musicians musicians can go home and practice but if you're only going to practice when people are there in the room it's going to take you a long time i you know the 10,000 hours thing i think i think that got debunked but there's definitely some truth to putting in the time I think on things so you've got to find a way to do the same thing you know with virtual sound check these days I I'm always surprised when I go somewhere to do training and I ask them how often they're using virtual sound check and nobody is doing it and that was that was a key for me I think in really refining my skills and it was a big part of our workflow at North Point. I mean, we would we would rehearse on Wednesday nights and the band would go home and we would stick around a couple more hours and just work on the mix with virtual soundcheck. And then on Sunday morning we would check everything with virtual soundcheck before we started again. I mean little things like that can go a long way. Uh, another thing that I think can be real helpful is you've got to get into a controlled environment where you can really hear what you're doing. you know, Every decision we make is based off of what we hear. So if you're in a room where you know, your front of house location is in a small little booth with a little tiny window to the room, you're going to have a hard time hearing what's going on out there. That's a whole other conversation that probably needs to be had about where your front of house location should be in the first place. But, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with a situation like that right now, just to be practical, you've got to, you've got to find yourself an environment where you can really hear things. And that can be, it can be as simple as just getting a really good pair of headphones and working on stuff. And, you know, most of the digital consoles these days give us the ability to multi-track record. So start recording every week and take some time and start working on things, whether that's virtual sound check at your church, working with the console or, you know, get a get a DAW and just start working on things at home. the The fundamentals, the basics of all the equipment, EQs, compressors, you know, there's a lot of the same kind of thing with all of them. Sometimes you just need to start learning things and really kind of practicing your instrument, so to speak. So, and David, when you have
0: freelance uh, gigs, say you're mixing Sunday morning at a church that you're not familiar with, um, you're not familiar with their system, how do you prepare yourself for that Sunday morning?
2: Uh, Those are tough. I usually try and get in early for sure. And typically for me, if I'm going anywhere new for the first time where I'm going to be mixing, it's a little different when I'm training, but if I'm going to be there mixing, I usually try and get in a day ahead of time to. See what's going on, because a lot of churches have got some very interesting things set up in their uh, <laughs> console <laughs> templates, I guess I'll I'll just say, and uh, also find lots of interesting things on consoles that I have to follow. So, you know, I, I have to get in there and, and spend some time to figure out what's going on before I can even start working so hopefully hopefully there's a midweek rehearsal and if i can get in somewhere where they've got a recording from a previous week i will always go in and play around with that for a little while you know depending on the console it could be anything from oh i just need a couple hours to uh, i'm going to need a whole day to really get things to where i'm going to feel comfortable with things so uh,
0: let's take you know an average small church in America. They've got one volunteer tech person, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll call him Blake. And oh, brother! <laughs> and they have you know maybe an X thirty two, maybe something even simpler. And they've got a mix for the room, and they've got a mix for live stream off the same board. How are you coaching them to get the most out of both?
2: That's a, that's a great question. I get a lot of people asking about live stream stuff. And a lot of times when people are asking me, like they want to set up a a separate studio. And I usually, I usually ask them what, you know, what's your goal in your live stream? I I think it's important for churches today to have some kind of online presence because that's, That's where a lot of people are really going to get exposed to you for the very first time. I don't know that it always has to be live, though, for an online presence. Because my recommendation is usually, you know, get your room right first. North Point, you know, we were streaming online for 722. Like they were doing that before I went on staff in 06, Mm -hmm. because I used to watch 722 um, online sometimes at least I, I would check out the music side of things um and the the reason that they could do that was because the room had good acoustic treatment the loudspeaker system had been set up properly in tune so it was it was kind of like mixing in a studio environment finding personnel to mix at front of house and in the studio is really challenging. I know a lot of churches, they're challenged just in finding personnel to mix at front of house. So I usually recommend, you know, invest in that, invest in that person, invest in the environment they're working in. When you start making it sound better in the room, a lot of times that translates even more outside of the room. You start making it better in the room, you start getting better better engagement from your attenders, which will engage the band to perform better. All of this stuff kind of, it's a chain reaction. You you know, if you're, if your pastor is getting more engagement during his messages, a lot of times he will react a little different. All of this stuff will translate outside of the room a lot better. So I always say, start with the room. If you don't have any acoustic treatment, get some acoustic treatment get your front of house position in a place where you can hear what everybody in the room is hearing, not off in a corner somewhere down the, down the hall, Um, you know, get your, your sound system treated properly and start from there. And then, and then, you know, the big thing is work on your craft in, in, you know, get your skills going. There's, there's a lot of resources online these days that you can check out and, You know, I still do a lot of training and coaching and traveling. Uh, When people ask to come in and train, you can bring somebody like me in or, you know, another engineer, maybe somebody in the area who can help, you know, things like that. That's usually the that's usually what I would say to, to start with, you know, really refine your craft.
0: Blake, I want to send you out to some churches to coach them on acoustic treatment. Do you remember when we were recording the uh, podcast at your house, Blake? And Yes. every surface is hard in your house. And so what did you do, Blake?
1: <laughs> I strung a sheet.
0: A bed sheet. Uh, a a bed single sheet,
1: bed sheet. Uh, on, f- on the stairwell. And I think <laughs> I remember someone saying that it was really good audio that day. So
2: it was so not egg crates. No, or egg cartons.
0: Yeah, he's like, man, it is really echoey in here. Hold on, and he grabs a single bedsheet and puts it over the banister, like that's going to make any difference.
1: I'm not saying that I could make an integration company, but I am starting an LLC. Uh, you know, speaking of mixing in such <laughs> random settings, uh, how different is it mixing in surround in the studio versus mixing in immersive in a live setting? And how much bed sheets are you using?
2: Bed sheets. Um, well, I I try and avoid the bedsheets in the live <laughs> setting. The Why? Fire mar fire marshal might have some issues with with that. But uh, I'm not sure those would be to code. Um it's it's there's similarities but I think it's a different thing and I think it's um I think there are different goals. The immersive the, the immersive thing in live sound to me you really have to think about the size of your venue and distances you know if you've got a large venue and you've got speakers set up all around the room you know the the rough and and I hate to bring up math but the <laughs> the rough estimate is about a foot of distance is going to equal to about a millisecond of time So if you have a band playing in time and you start moving them around the room, you might start moving them out of time for certain people in that room. So you have to kind of be conscious of that. But I think for me, when I've worked in immersive sound in a live setting, the goal has been more about connection with what's happening on stage and connecting the sound in the room to what's happening on stage. Cause you know, one of the things we've been doing for years is we've got, you know, we've got like a pastor talking on stage and then we've got these left and right hangs of speakers. And usually if you're not right in the middle of the room, your brain kind of, you know, you, you feel like they're talking from that speaker. So there's this disconnect where, you know, I see him, on the stage, but the sound is coming from out, you know, way off to my right or way off to my left. And it's one of those things that I doubt the average attender is thinking about that, but it's one of those things that I think is a disconnect. And when you're trying to communicate on a message that, you know, we think is important in the church Having that disconnect there isn't necessarily a good thing. So with immersive sound and live, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get the people in the room connected to what's going on on stage so that they really can focus on what's going on on the stage. When you move into a studio environment and mixing for surround or Dolby Atmos or an immersive format like that, I think you can get a lot more creative in placement of things and moving things around and flying things around, but in the live environment, some, sometimes you can do that. I mean, Cirque du Soleil has been doing stuff in surround for a long time. Um, but you know, they've got like sound effects and you can have things kind of whizzing overhead and around the room, um, in church, uh, you know, right now, not that the day could never happen where that was a, a mainstay of what we were doing every week. Maybe I don't know how it would would happen. I I would be interested in in hearing that and seeing that. But right now, it's not really a big part of what most churches are doing. So.
0: I hear uh, Adam Taylor somewhere thinking to himself, wait a second, we had some Cirque du Soleil uh, performers in our Christmas service, so now I can start mixing and surround at church.
1: And I'm thinking Brian Bailey's Definitely. we got people <laughs> flying around. We've got flying drummer boys.
0: Well, and Preston Woods putting in a D&B soundscape system right now. It's going to be like, I want to go and yep. hear that thing. That's going to be fun. Let's go,
1: uh, That'll be cool. go do a church visit on a Sunday, Monday.
0: Sunday, Monday? Well,
1: Sunday for that and then Monday because they're not going to want to hang out after.
0: Um, so tell me, tell me this, David, have you toyed around at all? Or is your brain tickling on the idea of mixing and surround for live stream?
2: Uh, I would love to mix and surround for live stream. I don't know when that's going to really happen. I think right now the, the main holdback at at least for churches is since most of the live streams, you know, we're all over the internet, it's YouTube or Facebook, or, you know, maybe just something on your, your website. None of those right now seem to be supporting surround to my knowledge, unfortunately, but I think, I think doing things in surround, it's going to be a great way to help people at home get connected to what's going on in the room, which, you know that could be a blessing and a curse in in a certain way. I mean, I think, I think if you want people to come to the room in the first place, you've got to do something there that they can't experience anywhere else. So sometimes I wonder how much of that do we really want to export outside of the room every week? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I I think it'll be I think it'll be really I think it'll be really cool if yeah. that if that shows up, but you know, who knows? I mean, it's, I'm still waiting to see what happens with this metaverse thing that I hear talk of. Is that going to take off or, no? you know? (laughs) And that
0: was my next question. Cause I've seen uh, like life church has a meta service and uh, Calvary chapel in Fort Lauderdale has one. So I was curious if you've experienced that at all, if you've been in one of those, if, you know, if uh, surround makes sense for those.
1: And does Mark Zuckerberg preach all the messages there?
2: <laughs> Let's hope not. Um, I haven't experienced it. I was I was speaking at a conference, I don't know if it was earlier this year, late last year, where someone was talking about VR in church and they were doing it. Um, you know, I if, if it's a way for us to reach people who aren't being reached, I think it's a great idea. I haven't experienced it yet. I don't know where the technology's at. Um, Right now, I don't know a lot of people with VR headsets. I know they're out there, but I think until something like that gets convenient for people, it's going to be a smaller audience out there. But I don't think that means you shouldn't look at it and approach it. I mean, those people, you know, they need to be reached just as much as anybody else. So...
0: And are the the streaming services are those available in surround formats like Netflix and the rest?
2: Well, Netflix is definitely Netflix. I, every streaming service that I can think of is doing stuff in surround. Okay, so, Blake. So but that's been that's been going on for years. So yeah, it's not really a new Blake, thing. Blake, can we
0: get the Church Gear podcast onto Netflix and then David will mix it and surround? Toby, we're live. I think you definitely should right
2: should now. do that. <laughs> I think I think that will really up you in the algorithm. <laughs> I think so. being
1: on Netflix could be quite a disaster uh, if we did it the wrong way. Speaking of disasters, uh, David, you were at North Point for nine maybe, years. Maybe Amazon
2: Prime, though. There we go. <laughs>
1: yes, actually, lots of podcasts are going over there. Um, you were at North Point <laughs> for nine years, so uh, we know something had to go wrong. Tell us another moment where everything fell apart and how you handled it, and was it your last day there?
2: <laughs> oh, North Point. I I'm sure there were other things at North point, but I I actually have a, I got a better disaster story that, uh, hit us predates, predates North point. When I was in college, there was a local band. I used to guitar tech for, and, uh, one, one week, I think I finally talked them into letting me actually run sound for them at a gig. And, I, you know, I walked in and I think the house guy, he kind of looked at me, maybe rolled his eyes a little bit like this kid probably doesn't know what he's doing, but okay, whatever. So we got going and he helped me get get started and set up because I I really did not know a whole lot of what I was doing at the time. Um, Band was about halfway through their first set. And I kind of leaned forward and all of a sudden the the monitor wedges on stage just went crazy with feedback. So I kind of pulled, pulled the faders back a little bit to uh, get things under control, tried pushing up the lead vocal again, and there was... Like there was no way. And it, it, it stopped the show, the band, they had to stop in the middle of their song. And, um, the band, the name of the band was hello, Dave. And the reason they had named their band hello, Dave, was they had had a previous sound guy who, uh, well, you know, a lot of times they would say, hello, Dave, because he was not quite there. So I'm, Back at the, the board, trying to figure out what is causing all this feedback and sort of frantically looking around the venue, which was very full, trying to find the house sound guy who I think he must have gone to find a beer or something like that. I'm trying to find him to get his help. And while I'm frantically running around, the lead singer of Hello Dave seized on the opportunity to explain to the entire <laughs> crowd who was there how the band got the name hello dave so as i'm walking around the venue trying to find the house got all of these people in the crowd are saying are you dave are you dave so that is tough <laughs> it was about it was probably about a good six or seven years before i tried doing live sound again after oh, that gig
1: that gig so, almost destroyed your whole potential career.
2: Yeah, that was. <laughs> I aspire to that level of
1: pettiness to name my whole band after someone just to mess with them.
2: Um, but yeah. They've, uh, oh, but to uh, to explain what happened, the uh, the monitor wedges, the graphic EQs for those were at my knees in the the rack, and oops. I had leaned forward, and with my knees, I had basically taken every. Fader on the graphic EQ for the monitors and pushed it to the roof.
1: That'll so. do it. Cut yourself off at the knees, right there. <laughs> yes. Um, so, Dave, uh, now that we've gone through a painful moment, uh, you know, you <laughs> learn a lot of wisdom through those moments. So, give us your tech takeaway. Um, that's we, how we like to wrap all of our episodes. What would what would you say to a group full of church techs to make their Sundays better?
2: Oh uh, boy. I think you know the the biggest source of tension that i see in a lot of church churches it comes from expectations and people having misaligned expectations the expectations of the production crew are different from the expectations of the musicians which sometimes are different from the expectations of the senior pastor and i think you've got to get all of that stuff clear i think if you're a staff member or volunteer or anyone with someone above you you know your job is to understand exactly what the expectations of are you and for what you're doing you know don't wait to have somebody set them for you go and find them and figure them out and you know if you are in a leadership role your job is to clarify and very specifically communicate those expectations to the people you are leading and i think a lot of times When you get that stuff straight, it just makes everything run a whole lot smoother. Everybody kind of understands what they're doing, and you get everybody on the same page for a fun Sunday.
1: Hmm. Well, that's really good, Toby. Do you feel like you've communicated your expectations
0: for me on this podcast? Uh, Apparently not clearly because they have been wildly unmet.
1: Wow. All right. Well, hey, Dave, uh, going back to well, you. Well, now you got
2: somewhere to start from. So,
1: uh, Man, do you have anything you want to plug? How people can reach out to you to come uh, mix for their church?
2: Sure. You can. You know, I've got a lot of websites, I guess. Um, I my recommend you just having one. Yeah, it's well, they, you know, they're all different. If, if you're looking to, you know, if you're your church, you're trying to put out some music. Uh, www.stagleproproductions.com is a great place to find me and really you know if you want to do training need help with with anything audio related that's one where one place you can connect with me um I have another website going to 11.com where i've been publishing articles for a very long time so there's resources over that and then people can find me on social media instagram seems to be the most popular these days and i am foh dave one there used to be foh dave but that was a mistake i made and now i am foh dave one wait why was that a mistake well there was a thing years ago where everybody was freaking out about instagram holding copyrights and everybody deleted their accounts for i don't know it was probably three weeks maybe it was a little longer than that and going back couldn't get your name back so
1: fascinating
2: yeah, was, hey, like,
1: yeah. we appreciate you coming on the show man
2: oh thanks for having me it's been fun thanks for hanging out with us we hope to see you back next week
1: for more absurd stories tech takeaways and overall buffoonery here at the Church Gear Studios Toby what do we do at Church Gear uh, hello Blake uh, don't you even know while well, it's teeing you up we buy Church Production Gear we do? yep Oh. We don't just podcast all the time.
0: Oh, I
1: didn't know that. Well, you and I don't buy it, but other it people
0: Explain to me more.
1: So if you have a church full of production gear that you don't use anymore, in a closet perhaps, uh, or maybe in the ceiling tiles of your bathroom, uh, give us a call. And uh, well, actually, don't give us a call. <laughs> Nobody answers the phone news, but uh, make a list on our website and uh, we'll make an offer on the gear and we'll come buy
0: it. AJ answers the phone, just so you know.
1: For sales, not for
0: acquisitions. That's true. And in the words of our guest David, go to www.churchgear.com like it's 2001. Yeah. Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. T- T- Toby, what have I told
1: you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C H U R C G E L? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke. That didn't always work.
0: Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works.